Welcome, valued listeners, to the Lose All Your Money podcast. I am one of your hosts, Silent Rob, here with Jay Swa, who's bringing the energy today. You better believe <laughs> he's pumped based on how much sleep he's been getting. Jay Swa, what do you have for us today? We back. We back. We here. I am well rested. I'm mm-hmm. ready to give out the locks. Let's just get the nonsense out of the way. Rob won our March Madness bracket. Mm-hmm. Collusion stole the election. Yep. I, you know, just all of it. I want to give myself an extra pat on the back for that one because I submitted two brackets, which I think is a good strategy. And they were also diversified because my other bracket, I think, was in either last or second to last. Ricky Bobby Strat, very good. If very, very first good. or last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely do two. Definitely make them different and let variants do the rest. I, I did two as well. I think one of them was like down there with you. And then I think I had another one in the middle of the pack. You also won our fancy basketball league. That, that was fun. That was cool. Right. Right. I did do that. I think you beat me in that probably, which is annoying. I did beat you in the championship for that. Yeah. yeah. We, you, we tweeted back and forth about it, dude. You gave me yeah. a Vontez perfect yeah. <laughs> tweet about it. Yeah. But yeah. Fantasy hoops. I'm on a hot streak. I feel like this year's probably my fall from grace. That's probably the end of my reign, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sick of it. I'm definitely sick of it. But <laughs> are you going to run the league again at least? Yes. We got a ringer coming in. Daniel Perry's coming mm-hmm. in. So, Sick. you know, everybody just look out. Everybody watch out. Well, before we get into the fun stuff, yeah. this is going to be a yeah. fantasy football episode. Jay's going to run with most of it. But I want to give uh, Rob's Lose All Your Money tip of the week. And the tip of the week or the month or the season, maybe Q3 tip, is to pretend that you live in Florida for income tax purposes, but actually live in DC and give that away on tweets and podcasts and private flight logs and then get sued by the Attorney General of Washington, DC. Does this ring a bell for you, Jay? Have you seen this story yet? No, but this is awesome. (laughs) This is brand new. As of today, we're recording Wednesday, August 31st. Michael Saylor, darling of the Bitcoin world, hodler of hodlers, is being sued by Attorney General of the District of Columbia, Carl Racine, for tax evasion, for actually being in D.C., for a lot of years and actually being a resident, but pretending that he lives in Florida, you know, TBD, whether this happens, but just an A1 chef's kiss way to lose all your money or a lot of your money. Jesus. Yeah, that's really funny. I just put it into the Google news and they have the stereotypical sailor, you know, grasping at his eyes. <laughs> it's pretty great. No, that's what you want to see, a Bitcoin Maxi just getting it after a, a rough year. They come with the knives when you're down, dude. The knives get sharpened because they know that they can get yeah. they can get you. Absolutely. Yeah, taxes, that's like one-on-one to lose all your money. Have you ever been to Italy? I've never been to Italy. Never been to Italy. They like forcibly give you a receipt after every transaction because like 40% of the people in Italy have made, like don't pay taxes. Italy, Greece, Mediterraneans hate taxes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mediterraneans <laughs> are my people. So I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to tell you. But yeah, definitely. I didn't know that personal story, but definitely that's a way. I mean, I believe in myself. I believe I can lose some money pretty easily. Mm-hmm. 
But that's even one I'm confident in. Like, hey, I can definitely lose my fair share doing taxes if I wanted to. Big time. You know, be a be a freaking moron and click buttons the wrong way. Right. Yeah. So we're gonna go fantasy football position by position, then just do some general strategy, and then I'm gonna just talk about my thoughts on the NFL division by division, the long season that is the NFL. 17 regular season games for each team, 18 weeks, and just kind of look at division futures and, and just who I like, who I dislike, and who I'm kind of indifferent on. But yeah, so we'll start with the quarterback position. And really, I think the quarterback position has changed. It used to be you wait as long as possible. And now the common theme by the sharp people is kind of you want that one of those top six or seven quarterbacks. Josh Allen is a clear tier on his own. And you're probably going to have to look at a second or third round pick, which which I think is a little too much. But if you fell to potentially the early fourth round and, and you did well in your first three picks, I, I wouldn't be against picking him. But that Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts cohort, Kyler Murray as well, it's kind of around there. You want to be the last one to take one out of those five, if you will. If you don't get those five, I, I do think you pull the trigger on Trey Lance. He's just got he's got that upside that that you look for that wins your leagues. Because other than that, making a case for Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, that just the lack of mobility really hinders their upside. Now you're probably going to get a decent floor, like someone like Russell Wilson, which isn't the worst strat, but his price isn't that different than Trey Lance's. And as we've already mentioned, the Ricky Bobby strategy is what we advocate for here. You want to go to the top. You want to advocate for opening that ceiling as high as possible. And I, I think Trey Lance does that more than anyone outside of those top five, top six picks. If you do not get the Allens, Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray's, and Jalen Hurts's of the world, or Trey Lance, I would just wait that next batch of Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the difference between the top and the bottom isn't that much. And you're going to just want to play the ADP game and wait for that to fall. And you just got to remember everyone on waivers is like on your JV team, like being ready to call be called up. So to get that top 10, top 20 type quarterback, that's going to be easy to call upon relatively because just looking ahead to matchups, people performing above expectation, below expectation. Those guys are going to be on the waiver wires or, or the replacement level. If we look at it like a money ball approach, the war, right? The wins above replacement for that. The guys you're drafting there is just so minute compared to the, I mean, if you're in a one quarterback league, you know, you're getting 15 starting quarterbacks most likely, maybe 14 starting quarterbacks are on the waiver wire. And one of which is going to have an optimal matchup every week. One of which is going to be, you know, a couple deviations above their expectation. Now, obviously, you got to be the one that picks them up, but you're going in with that lens on your team that you know you need to look for them. Yeah. little side note here. I would say playing in a super flex league, that's where you're able to play two quarterbacks, is really fun. Obviously, quarterbacks are the darlings of the modern NFL, Roger Goodell's you know, wet dream. But it does kind of give them proper value relative to the drafting and whatnot. Usually the first, you know, in the first five picks, or excuse me, in the first 10 picks, five of which are usually quarterbacks. That's how important they are in that. Anything about the Hup Hup Hikers, the quarterbacks there, Rob, or Roger Goodell or anything in between? 
Yeah. Just quickly tier us again, tier concept. And it sounds like you already kind of went into tiers. Yeah. Yeah. That I was going to say that at the end with the general strats, but I started going through it and I was like, it probably makes more sense to say it now. So I appreciate you calling me out and making fun of me on public radio. Mm -hmm. But yes. So the tiers is just where you have a group of players clustered together and, and you might have one guy ranked a little bit higher than the other. But if you look at it probabilistically, the person that you have at the top of the tier is probably 60, maybe at max 65% likely to do better than the person at the bottom. And that, that's actually higher numbers. I would, I'd probably go closer to 55. So if you look at it like that, you can kind of just sit back and wait and wait for whomever it lasts the longest out of that tier and just kind of embrace the fact that, you know, this is probability. This is, you know, it's not a closed game. It's an open game. There's a lot of variables we don't know about yet. So we kind of just embrace that. So, and what it also gives you is relative value. So if you're deciding between a running back and a wide receiver, you may look at the tiers and you might say, okay, well, we just got into the next tier for running back. So we'll, we should wait on that. Whereas the last wide receiver in this tier is available. We should, we should probably grab that. And it's just a skill you develop doing anything else. Obviously, if you're, you know, you're playing one league for fun, you know, draft who you'd like, have fun with that. But if you're doing several leagues and you want to add a little bit more game theory to it, tiering is a good way of looking at it, especially when you're getting into trades, because it kind of helps you climb that ladder when you're trying to trade rape your your buddies. But yeah, anything else go to running back? Hit it. So running back, they are the darlings of almost every league. With PPR scoring, the wide receivers and even tight ends are going to have a little extra pull, of course. But really the top echelon, the creme de la creme, are going to be in any setting, most likely your one-two pick. So that's Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor on average is going number one. Christian McCaffrey a lot of times is going number two. I've seen him go four and three a couple of times in my drafts. But those two are from the running back position in a vacuum. They're a step ahead of everyone. Then you kind of get to the next one. And, and Austin Eckler is definitely the next best available running back with Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook not far behind. Then you kind of have an interesting group of Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon. Najee Harris I had there, but I've actually moved him down a little bit. He said he's coming back from a Liz Frank injury. And he also had like the utmost usage for a rookie last year. So it's kind of like there's nowhere to go but down for him. I also am kind of down on the Steelers, which I'll talk about a little bit later, which is very dangerous words to say because the Steelers are usually never bad. Then you have Alvin Kamar, DeAndre Swift, and Saquon Barkley. They're kind of merged together with Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon now. Most drafts, you'll actually you'll see Swift and Barkley going ahead of either Mixon or Jones, if not both. So I, Rob has access to this, and I'll, and I'll find a way to make mine available. But I have all of my drafts, and I've made an effort to get Swift and Barkley in my latest drafts just to – I don't necessarily want to be above market on them, but I do want to at least be – You know, if I'm doing 50 leagues, I want to at least make sure I have five of them so I'm at market with them. Then the last, I want to say, six running backs I want to take for a while is Leonard Fournette, Avante Williams, Nick Chubb, James Conner, Travis Etienne, and Ezekiel Elliott. After this kind of tier, I want to shy away from running backs for the next couple rounds just because I, I think the value is at wide receiver. But these guys have potential of being three down backs or they're in a good enough offense where if they're two down backs, that they're going to give you 
good value. So those are the guys that I'm targeting. Then I'm waiting on running back. But some of the later running backs, that's where I come back into the running back market because a running back will jump from week to week from from value more drastically than any other position. So once we get later in the draft, I want to take as many dart throws as possible. So as Rob can attest to, and when you do see this sheet, my picks become a lot more plentiful the later it goes on. And and what that's called is an anchor RB, which is usually I try to take one running back from that top tier we talked about, which is from McCaffrey down to ETN or Travis Elliott. And then I usually try to wait to then just get maybe four or five late ones. There's nothing wrong with taking two semi-early. Just the teams that I like the best are the ones where I have an elite anchor running back, an elite tight end, and obviously turn the page to tight ends. We'll talk about that. And then I can just pepper wide receivers the next two picks or so, two to three picks. And obviously it depends on how many flex players you have or whatnot, but your wide receivers are your safer plays from week to week once you get to this range and their roles are more defined running backs at this stage. I mean, anywhere running back is one injury away, but they're also not guaranteed on, based on their performance. Those elite guys are a lot safer for running backs than comparatively the elite wide receivers are to the quote unquote, maybe second or third tier wide receivers. Any questions about that, Rob? Tier one running backs are safer than tier one wideouts. It's not that they're safer. It's just position scarcity. That's a really good question, but it's just there's certain market dynamics where inherently people draft running backs too early, but because so many people do it, it actually does drive up the relative value of a running back, mm. if that makes sense. It's kind of like the, yeah, yeah. It's like the Super Bowl where it's the one football game where the public actually influences the Super Bowl line. So, But yeah, they're so dynamic. They're so much better than the rest of the crop. That's why they're the one, two, clearly in almost every draft. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to share your like fades? My like fades? Yeah, I could do that. I I did that for quarterback, didn't I? Yeah. So fading Najee Harris, fading David Montgomery. And this is all at ADP. You know, if Najee Harris goes down to the third round, like I'm taking him all day. Cam Akers is a question mark for me. I have a couple of pieces of him, but he's the Rams drafted a running back and they have Daryl Henderson. And the Rams had like three draft picks. So the fact that they wasted one or used one on a running back is kind of a red flag. He was out for most of last year. Yeah. As we get later for running backs, I like Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots. He's pretty much penciled in to get the passing work for the Patriots. And Mac Jones is a lot like Tom Brady, who does a lot of dump offs because the lack of mobility. He's kind of like the mobile component of a quarterback having those kind of like dump off passes. I also like Rashad Penny. Not that I like the Seahawks. Sorry, Andy Andrews, but because they're so run heavy and the running back they drafted in, I think they either late first or early second round, he's got an injury. And even Pete Carroll is not optimistic about it. Pete Carroll is a very optimistic man, a very, you know, just kind of talks out of his ass kind of a guy. And even he's like, yeah, there's no firm date when he's coming back. And they love to run the ball. So Rashad Penny kind of in a vacuum, not the sexiest player, but in the context and the price, I like James Cook of the Buffalo Bills, rookie, like that a lot. Damian Pierce, he, he's really climbed the boards now, so you're not getting so much value. But shout out to me. I got some value on him earlier in the summer. Looks like he's got the Texans job sewn up. But yeah, once you get late, just take dart throws. And really towards the better – 
you know, kind of the, as good of a team as you can find. So the reason I like James Cook is he's a rookie running back for the Bills. Who, the Bills, I think, are the best offense in football. So, you know, I'm taking this dart throw, a piece of the best offense in football. And if he does well, then it's a huge swing. If he doesn't do well, well, I just cut him and pick somebody else up. So, yeah, those are my hot takes, my locks for likes and hates. Cool. Now let's go to the tightest of ends. <laughs> that should not have made you laugh. For me, I'm really trying to get a top three tight end. Travis Kelsey is now all alone in Kansas City. And we'll talk a little bit about wide receiver. But Tyreek Hill is now in Miami. Travis Kelsey, yes, he's 33, I believe. But there's no one in Kansas City's offense that has the skill nor trust of Patrick Mahomes like Travis Kelsey. And a lot of times you don't have to use a first round pick. Sometimes it's an early second round pick to take him. Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens. I like him a lot as well. Similar scenario. The number one receiver for the Ravens last year was traded away. Mark Andrews already a very stable pass catcher. Now moves as the pretty much clear alpha. There is Rashad Bateman, second year wide receiver, who I actually think is pretty good as well. But you know, Andrews got Lamar's trust, and that's a big thing. And then finally, Kyle Pitts is kind of in that tier between Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and the tier below him, which is Darren Waller and George Kittle. Once you get past Pitts, if Waller or Kittle fall to me, I'll take them, but they both kind of have some warts. Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders now has Devontae Adams to compete with. George Kittle just constantly gets hurt. He's a heck of a blocker, heck of a football player, but you don't get any fancy points for that or when he's hurt. I have no problem taking Dalton Schultz at ADP, maybe a little bit behind it. And then Dallas Goddard is probably the last one at ADP I'm really actively taking. If I don't have a tight end, then I'm just going to take him in the last round and just hope and pray. A late round tight end that I do like is Albert O with the Denver Broncos. He, you know, with Russell Wilson getting in there. And Albert O's got some crazy physical skills. You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's not that far fetched to see both of those things combining Denver kind of improving vastly because of Russell Wilson and then Albert O being a favorite target of his, especially particularly in the red zone. Another guy, if you need a dart throw late, is Irv Smith, super young tight end that's had a lot of injury issues the past year, few years, but the Vikings are coming in with a new offense and there's not really a clear number two. Adam Thielen, you can kind of call number two, KJ Osborne as well, but it wouldn't surprise I me. Mean, I shouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me, but it would probably that 20 to 15% outcome that Irv Smith could become that. And then he becomes an every week tight end, which is super duper valuable. Anything else tight end related, Rob? No, does this have the same thing where you scarcity kind of yeah it affects the market for me especially because i play in a 10 man league so i'm willing to do that because there's less ways of kind of setting yourself apart right the Mm -hmm. more rounds there are the more picks there are the more you can kind of flex your skill now that there's less here i kind of want to have that edge of tight end and then i can make up that difference for running back and wide receiver and whatnot Last time I played fantasy football, I drafted a tight end and he got hurt in like week three and I never had anything remotely productive the rest of the season. Yeah, tight ends are, and that's kind of one of the reasons I'm, and I've heard, I know sure people that just, they don't do this at all, but it's also the scenarios like Kyle Pitts is a freak athlete. Travis Kelsey is just in the home run scenario. Mark Andrews, same. But, you know, what's great about this is, uh, you know, I'll play this three months from now and there's a lot of shit I'll, uh, I'm saying now that I, I'll laugh at and there's a lot of things I'll say that I'll put on my resume and, 
you know, that's just a lot of it is noise. But yeah, that's what I, it's like a stock picker, right? It's like, don't tell me what to buy. Tell me what's in your portfolio. Although you probably shouldn't be talking to stock pickers. But yeah, does that answer that, Rob? Yep. All right. Why receiver kind of fastly becoming one of the most important position groups, if not the second most already important position group in football? Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson are clear one, two. I'm cool if you want to take either as the first wide receiver on the board. Then you have Jamar Chase and Devontae. Excuse me, Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs at the next tier. They've kind of separated themselves from the third tier, which is Devontae Adams and C.D. Lamb. Mike Evans kind of right below that tier. And then the tiers kind of get bigger from there. I like to have at least one of these stud wide receivers that we just talked about. I think it adds good balance and allows you to be flexible later in the draft. One thing I will note, your biggest predictor of if it'll be a running back or wide receiver heavy league is watch where Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson get drafted. They get drafted closer to eight nine, seven eight nine, six seven eight nine. Then it's going to be a heavy running back league, and you need to act accordingly. If they get taken closer to three four, then it, it's not a hundred percent chance, but there's a good chance that it's going to be a more wide receiver dominated league. And that we'll get the general strategy is. You know, just it's very important to know your league. You know, are you playing against other guys that play for high dollars? Are you playing against other guys who are in your fraternity and they're absolute morons? So, definitely do have to factor that in. I also try to pick a, another guy out of the next few tiers the T. Higgins, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, DJ Moore. I'm not paying Debo Samuel's price, so I haven't got a share of him yet. I have him in that same tier, but he seems to be going kind of closer to Mike Evans' range. But I'd much rather have Mike Evans as Debo Samuel's going to Trey Lance this year, who is probably going to change the offense in a lot of different ways. DJ Moore, I like. Mike Williams, I like. Michael Pittman, I like. Gabriel Davis, I like. Allen Robinson, I like. Juju Smith-Schuster, I really like. He is kind of penciled in as being the number one receiver in Kansas City, and that's obviously got a lot of upside to it. Kind of a couple more tiers down, Rashad Bateman, I think is an interesting kind of you get some upside of a rookie without paying the price tag for him. The Ravens trading away their number one receiver last year, Marquise Brown, and not bringing a big replacement in is a indirect big endorsement of Rashad Bateman. And I just respect the Ravens organization a lot when they do something like that. Some nice dart throws towards the end of the draft. Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard's looking like the number one wide receiver in Green Bay. Chris Alave is looking like if not the one, the one B receiver in New Orleans with famous Jameis throwing the passes. And remember, famous Jameis is, I think, his top five in yards thrown in a season. So definitely a guy you want to look at late. And then finally, George Pickens has just been tearing it up with the Steelers. He's a rookie. And, you know, I just like to take dark throws on rookies. You kind of have that wider range of outcomes with them. Anything else about wide receivers there, Rob? No. Say that again about the Cooper Cup average draft position what does it tell you about your league right so if cooper cup and justin jefferson fall it's passed to like seven or eight then let's say you're in a 12-man league well over half of your league passed on them right and probably one or mm -hmm. two of them was pretty just but that means at least three people passed on him so that's you know a fourth of your league is passed on him if you kind of tribute the rest of the league you chop half and half you know that is a 66 percent or so slanted league towards running backs. And that's just something you can use later in the draft when you're 
you know, when you're using that tiers approach, you go, oh, wow, well, there's only two or three running backs here, but I know running backs are going to be more rare. So maybe, I, you know, it just helps you make that decision on the fly with that. A little inventory management. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really know what that means, but I'm going to trust you, which is very dangerous. Yeah, don't try this at home. Don't <laughs> try this at home. Yeah, but just general strategies. The tiers is the biggest one. We kind of talked about it, but I would say also just have a stance, whether it's like, indifferent, or dislike for each player, because you're going to get on the clock and you're going to be getting tense in certain scenarios and just at the end of the day, go with the prepared gut, right? And if you haven't looked at a magazine or anything and and then you're just bet, you know, you're picking with your gut, that's not going to yield a lot. But if you're, you know, one of the idiots that listens to this, you're obviously somebody that takes this a little bit more seriously than somebody else. So I would go with my gut with that. But a lot of that is the exercise of each player going through and just being like, yeah, I like that or yeah, I'm a little bit lower. And then I'm indifferent on there. How is that for you, Rob? Notice we didn't talk about kickers and defensive teams because I do not draft them. I <laughs> just would rather have a running back in the last few rounds and then I can wait till that Sunday. And I would say about 40, 30% of the time you win or lose because somebody had a huge outlier performance. So the fact that you had a kicker or a defense really didn't make a difference. I'd rather have that roster position. So I have a guy as like a tryout, especially if you want to get real nerdy with it have a guy who plays in the one o'clock or even optimally the Thursday night game. And then, okay, he plays real well. You keep him, he plays like shit. Well, then you drop him and then there you go. You pick up your kicker or your defense. So yeah, I don't talk about them. Defense is extremely noisy. Kickers, there is definite correlation to top offenses. I just don't want to draft them because what happens in a lot of leagues is the buy comes up for that team and the guy is like, oh, well, my kicker, he's got a buy. I'll just drop him and pick somebody else up. And then Hopefully, you have a above 500 team and you can just say, oh, okay, I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to waiver his kicker. And then look, you have the kicker for the most important time playoffs. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for the general strat, Rob. What are your thoughts here? My thoughts are fantasy football is hard. Fantasy sports just requires a decent amount of attention. So, I like the breakdown between the fun, you know, playing with your bros, shit talking league, and going and trying to make some money. And I, Wish you, Jay, and everyone else the best of luck in trying to take money from people in these leagues because, you know, the economy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now I'm going to go and give my thoughts for each division. I haven't been super in the weeds here. I just got a new job that's been taking over a large portion of my life, which what's up with that? Employment, dictating your time and stuff. Very overrated shit. But I do have some stuff that I'll give out or should say just share with. I don't think it's actionable information necessarily, but just some angles to look at. I do like betting divisions. So I'll kind of just talk at them through each division's lens. So in the NFC South, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 233 favorites, whereas the Saints plus 240 and the Panthers at pretty much 10 to 1 and the Falcons at 40 to 1. First thing I look at that takeaway is that, okay, that division is a three-horse race. The Atlanta Falcons are implied that they're just pretty much not trying this year. And one of those three teams, they're a lot longer than everyone else's. So if I had to bet on someone in this division, I would take Carolina at 10 to 1. And that doesn't mean because I think they're going to win the division. That's because I think at some point I can leverage that off of whomever the actual leader is. And so let's say 
you know, we're halfway down the year and all three teams are tied. Well, the Saints are going to have a, a better price and the Buccaneers are going to have a better price because inherently the Panthers price is going to come down, which I already have a higher price on. So it gives me flexibility, especially in a league where, you know, Tampa Bay's price is going to change. Let's say if Tom Brady gets hurt, you know, that's one event and I have that 10 to one ticket and I can leverage that if that, you know, unfortunate event were to occur. The NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think are rightly favorites. The Cowboys have been favorites the last couple of years. The Eagles are at a little over even money. Cowboys not far behind them at plus 144. The Giants are closer to 10 to 1 and the Washington Commanders are 7 to 1. This is one that's hard to bet at all with the Cowboys and Eagles being almost even money, which kind of just doesn't make sense. There's so many bad things that can happen every year. I shouldn't say it doesn't make sense. I get it from a math perspective, but it doesn't make sense for someone like myself to bet. If I had a gun in my head, I would take the Giants to 10 to 1 for pretty much the same scenario I just talked about. Just hope that the Cowboys or Eagles get off to a bad start. Maybe even if the Giants play 500 ball, I'd be able to turn a profit if I wish or would be able to let it ride if I like the dynamics. Going to the NFC North, the Bears, I think, are in the running for the worst team in football. The Lions are an upstart team, but I still think they're a year away from competing. And the Packers are deserved favorites given what they've done the last couple of years, but their time is soon to come to an end. Just the way the contracts are structured and the free agency structured in the NFL, it's really hard to have a long window and their window is getting long by the day. Now, the Vikings, I do like. I don't like them early in the year because they have a new coach and new coaches usually take an adjustment, but I would be looking to probably play the Vikings. Although the Lions at 10 to 1 for the same thing we just talked about, it's not a terrible bet, but definitely I don't think Detroit will be taking it down as champions. AFC North, okay, we were pretty chalky there, the first three divisions, but I like the Ravens. I like the Ravens a lot this year. They're almost even money. I shouldn't say almost even money. They're plus 140. And I think. The Browns are in a bad position with the Deshaun Watson scenario being out for 11 games. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, yes, but my main really bet is this really against the Bengals. So maybe I should just take a under position on the Bengals win total if I was actually putting money behind this. But I also think the Ravens had terrible, terrible injury luck last year. They're a really good organization. So if I had to bet something here, I would take the Ravens at plus 140-ish. You probably shop around and get a better price. National Football League, AFC South, another relative long shot. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars now down to six and a half to one. I, I was able to get this around nine earlier in the probably not even summer, probably around spring. This is just comes back to our wins over replacement. Last year they had Urban Meyer, who was just a god awful coach. And now they have the former Eagles Super Bowl winning coach whose name escapes me, but he only has to be like an average NFL coach to be a huge jump for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, he was the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, kind of like a once in a decade type player. He looked terrible last year. I think that had a lot to do with Urban Meyer. So it would not shock me for that. Now, I do think the Colts will win that division, but they have been priced out of a place I would bet right now at minus 163. But that might be one with the Colts. Colts start slow. Maybe then if you take them, if they get to plus 100, plus 150. But yeah, definitely like the Jags as a position there, as I don't think the Texans are, are really competing this year. And I think the Titans are bad. That being said, the last two years I've bet against the Titans and they have cost me dearly. So I could easily be in the wrong. The AFC West, the Denver Broncos now have Russell Wilson, everybody's favorite. They're definitely a serious team. But I do think I think there's a case to be made that the Los Angeles Chargers are the best team, not only in its division, but potentially football, at least in the AFC. 
I shouldn't say at least in the AFC. I, I think the Bills would be number one, but maybe number two in the AFC. The Chiefs at plus 160 is kind of too rich for my blood. If I had to bet this, I would take the Chargers at plus 214. You probably could shop around, get a better price on that. If I had to take another team, it would be Denver at three to one, but I would obviously want better numbers to actually pull the trigger. The NFC West, the site that I'm looking at right now, does not have it up there. I think that's probably to do with some injury news, maybe Jimmy G, Trey Lance news, maybe, although I do know Jimmy G just signed a contract to be the backup in San Francisco. I do like San Francisco, not the city. I like the football team. But Trey Lance, it really comes down to Trey Lance. If Trey Lance does poorly, their odds will probably tank, but they have Jimmy G as the backup who is, you know, taking them to a Super Bowl and to a conference championship game last year and they were winning in the fourth quarter. So I do think if you get an opportunity for the 49ers to kind of their price to drop, I think it's a pretty safe bet since they have that security at quarterback that you're going to get a pretty solid price relative to the year. So yeah, that's my thoughts on professional football there, Rob. What are your thoughts on my thoughts? I like San Francisco, the city, not the football team. Good city, uh, big city, a lot of things going on. Good baseball stadium. Yeah. And maybe a good football stadium. I don't know. Can't comment on that. Santa Clara, bro. It's out in Santa Clara. Ah, oh, fuck. Never mind. Scratch it. I've actually never been to San Francisco. You'd actually love it. As a certified Euro boy <laughs> and Euro lover, you would love San Francisco. Euro educator. Okay. I'm a Euro educator. <laughs> Euro guy. A, a nocturnal Euro educator. Yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have heard good things. I just like to fucking own the libs whenever I can, you know. Good. Uh, yeah, my takeaway is don't fucking bet preseason, mostly because we don't really know anything yet. And don't bet week one either. That's a, that's what I remember. Yes. Yeah. Week two is nice to take advantage. It's overreaction week. It's it's the classic behavioral finance, you know, oh, too hot in the shower, turn it to too cold and vice versa. <laughs> that's maybe too hot showers, behavioral finance. I love it. It is. That's a real thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. Overreaction. Yeah. Do you not know anything about behavioral finance? No. Yeah, okay. I make analogies for a living. Okay. So just fuck off. All right. <laughs> I'm a little cranky. I haven't slept much. So, but yeah, appreciate you coming back on, Rob. I appreciate you not gloating too much about the championships. Yeah. I think that's a wrap from me and the silent boy. I dig it. Thanks for listening, gang. <laughs>